On June the 1st in 1969 in room 1742 of the Queen Elizabeth Hotel in Montreal, a really famous song was recorded after someone uttered a phrase during what seemed to be a pretty innocuous press interview. As you may know, given the vintage of that year, the Vietnam War was raging, and there was a struggle in our country over the reality of war and its human toll. The song that was recorded that day was the John Lennon anti-war anthem, Give Peace a Chance. And after he uttered that seemingly just kind of throwaway small phrase during his now famous bed-in protest with Yoko Ono, you may uh, remember or you may have seen a video floating around of them you know, singing that over and over again with a bunch of people spread out on the floor and playing. All we are saying is give peace a chance. And that song would go on to define the anti-war movement of the day. It was performed by a myriad of other artists at rallies nationwide, and it would eventually reach number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100 of the time. And the infectious chorus includes those words that we've already heard and you probably already have in your head. All we are saying is give peace a chance. When you think about that song and just the staying power of that song over the decades, it really taps into something that we all feel at the heart level. We all feel that our world is not at peace. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can never even remember a time when it actually was. There's strife all around us. There's actual wars between countries. There's companies at war with their competitors, political and ideological strife between neighbors, relational strife between family members, sibling conflict, the war going on at the heart level for our deepest affections over and over and over. We can think of just different descriptions of the strife and this warfare that exists in our world today. And in the midst of that, we're instinctively looking for islands of peace and rest in the ocean of strife that surrounds us every day. Some of us may look to spa days, Time alone in the woods, a quiet corner with a book, time at the lake. Apparently, according even to the commercials, even a small piece of chocolate can provide that escape. Have you ever seen those chocolate commercials where you, you close your eyes and you slowly take a bite? Even just those moments. The thing that we're doing, though, when we think about all of that, is we're all searching for shalom. It's the Hebrew word for peace, and it means more than just kind of an end of strife. It means completeness, soundness. The Christmas season is usually associated with the pursuit of peace. A good example of this from 1914 during World War I was the Christmas truce. We're actually on Christmas Day. You had the, the two sides that were fighting literally in the trenches decided for a ceasefire for that one day. And they all came out of the trenches. And they played soccer together, and they ended up singing a, a Christmas song together. But the day after Christmas, they were right back in the trenches, shooting at each other once again. But often the holiday season, when we think about it, even though it's mostly associated with the pursuit of peace, often the holiday season only adds to the strife as families gather together and old grudges reemerge or new ones are forged. We're reminded that peace is an elusive thing. Why? Because we cannot produce this peace on our own. There are probably many in this room who are longing for rest and peace. Your, my, your life might look like a trip to the grocery store the day before Christmas. If you had to go, you notice there was a lot of elbowing and shoving and trying to get to those different 
items there. Your life might look like that as you're frantically pacing the aisles looking for that one magic product that has all the right ingredients to finally give you the rest and completeness, that shalom that you so desperately desire. You may look to money, power, control, notoriety, your grades, dating relationships, your religious performance, social media attention, alcohol, sports, a perfect family, a perfect life, whatever it is. But deep down, we all know that these things can never fully satisfy us. Why? Because every one of them, if you were to take it off the shelf and look at it, every single one of them has an expiration date. Every one of them will, will go bad at some point and leave you in the dust. St. Augustine said a very famous quote, Lord, you've made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. When we think about the message of what's going on here. We're all searching for peace and there can be no shalom apart from God because he alone is the source of all peace. And searching for shalom apart from him is a fool's errand. And that well will always dry up because there's no living spring underneath it to supply it. Tim Keller said in his great book, Hidden Christmas, until we see our instinctive hostility to God's authority, we can't understand one of the great deep mainsprings of all human behavior. We're committed to the idea that the only way we'll be happy is if we are wholly in charge of our lives. Of course, this self-centered desire to command and control leads to conflict with other human beings. So hostilities with God lead to hostilities with others. And there's no peace on earth because there's no peace with God, end quote. The peace between God and man was shattered by our sin. We've already heard scriptures that talk about that. We've already sung songs or heard songs that talk about this. But thankfully, God did not leave us to perish in our sin and rebellion. A Redeemer was promised. This one who is going to come. You may not have picked up on it, but it happens actually in Genesis 3.15, a page and a half into the Bible. Right on the heels of the fall of Adam and Eve, this Redeemer, this Rescuer is promised. This one who's going to come. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we've already heard it tonight. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Hundreds of years later, that promised Redeemer was actually born in real space and time. Again, we've heard that scripture read already. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. One of my favorite Christmas hymns is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I just love that hymn. It's just got so much theology just packed into it. It's an, a, an amazing hymn. It says, Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. It's that last phrase that makes all the difference. 
God and sinners reconciled. You see, the message of Christmas, the advent of, or the incarnation of Jesus, His coming in flesh, the message of Christmas will never make sense to you if you think you can do it on your own. Either you live as though God doesn't exist and you pretend to be your own God or you live a religiously obedient life and then demand that God blesses you. Both of these miss the mark because they can't repair that shattered shalom between a holy God and sinful people. Only Jesus could do this, which is why he came. John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Again, here's what Keller says. Jesus is the perfect mediator between estranged parties. By assuming a human nature, the God-man bridges the chasm, dies for our sins, heals the breach, and makes peace. Again, that great Christmas hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, comes in really handy here. It says, Mild he lay his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sum of earth, born to give them second birth. So the message of Christmas is not, try harder, clean yourself up, do better. Many of you tonight have grown up hearing that this is how Christianity works, that it's a bunch of checklists and tasks and moral performance or your white-knuckled piety. You might be saved by grace, you think, but you're kept in the family of God by your own righteous works and religious performance. My hunch is the majority of people listening tonight fall into this category, and no wonder you're so tired at the heart level. All you see is a treadmill demanding more. The Christian life might not be joy to you. It might be like drudgery, just a list of things to do, and kind of this fear of, what if I don't do it right, or what if I don't do it enough? If this version is true, then we're all in deep trouble, because we've all failed, and we'll have to run even harder on that treadmill to catch up. Thankfully, though, and here's the good news. Thankfully, the real message of Christmas is God has made a way for us to be reconciled through His Son and not through our efforts. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. For in Him, speaking of Jesus... The fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace, there's our word, by the blood of his cross. Romans chapter 5 verse 1, therefore since we have been justified, that's a fancy theological word for made right with this holy God, since therefore we've been justified by faith, not our effort, we have peace with God. There's our word again. Through whom? Our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the gospel is good news because it shows us that through Jesus Christ alone, God and sinners have been reconciled. That the manger and the cross and the empty tomb and the crown, they all hang together. And this is amazing news for those in this room who see and recognize and admit their need for a Savior. Those who admit, yes, I cannot do this on my own. I need a rescuer. I need a redeemer. I need a savior. I need Jesus Christ and him alone. The gospel is amazing news for people who know they can't do it. It's amazing news. Because it means there's hope. Because that shalom has been restored through Christ. 
A couple of quick questions as we wrap up. Do you believe this tonight? Do you trust Christ by faith alone? Is Christ really your Savior? Or are you really just trying to do it on your own? And you treat Jesus more like a book on a shelf. And you get Him down when life gets a little tough. But then you basically kind of figure, no, I can do this on my own. And you put Him back up. Do you believe that you need a Savior tonight? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only Savior? Do you rest and receive Him by faith alone? Do you want peace in your life at the heart level? I don't have a checklist for you. Look to Christ. Do you want to try to stop trying to fix it all on your own? Would you like to stop trying to do that tonight? Look to Christ. Look to Jesus Do you want true hope even in the midst of difficult circumstances? Do you want a true and lasting hope in the midst of that, even when life looks like a train wreck? Do you want hope in the midst of that? i got some simple words for you. Look to Christ. Look to Jesus. Get off the treadmill. Fall on your knees. Look to Christ. Look to Jesus Christ alone. That's why we're here. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us to do what we could never do on our own. God and sinners, holy, holy, holy God, and sinful people like us reconciled through the life and death and burial and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it all starts with the manger. You see, if you don't have the manger, you don't have the cross. If you don't have the cross, you don't have the empty tomb. That's what gives us hope. That's why we're gathered here tonight. So what is the message of Christmas? Fear not. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.